Hi, welcome to Destiny Online, and uh, welcome to those joining us for the first time, and also welcome to folks who, this is your regular Sunday connection. It's so good to be with you, and exciting to start off a new series, Your Daily Walk. Just as uh, during this time of lockdown, we've been allowed a, day, a walk a day, so also, I believe there are certain, just to keep us healthy, I believe there are certain things we can do on a daily basis that are going to keep us healthy, not necessarily on the outside, but in the inside. Actually, and life really is what, about ha- is what happens on the inside. Life going well is when things go well on the inside. So we want to equip you over these next few weeks with daily patterns that will impact and literally, literally transform your life. So Father, we ask you just now, in all the rooms where we are uh, represented, we ask you to meet with us. We ask you to speak to us. We ask you to, we dare to even ask, God, would you change our lives? God forbid that we stay the same. Would you change our life? Would you speak to us? For those who don't yet know you, Lord, I pray, reach into their precious hearts and let them come to know the God who made them. And for those who already know you, let this be a, a moment of building their faith stronger. So God, we give this time. Help me to speak and help us to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 3 says this, people do not live by bread alone. Rather, we live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. You know, just as every day you and I need, we need food to give us energy, we need food to keep us going, we need food to keep us healthy, your spirit, your heart, your inner you needs feeding. And the way you feed your inside person is with words from God. I came across an article just uh, last month in the New Statesman, uh, April 2020, and the headline was this, how coronavirus is leading us to a religious revival. And it went on to say, as COVID-19 remains par- uh, reminds us of life's fragility, Uh, an increasing number of people are turning to faith and spirituality. Uh, They reported in the article that uh, the Bible app, which is the most popular way of reading the Bible on on your phones or on your devices, uh, Uversion Bible app reported a record number of downloads. Uh, Two million times it was downloaded in March alone. Also, UK's largest Christian bookshop, Eden Christian Bookshop, Uh, saw the sales of physical Bibles shoot through the roof exponentially. They saw a 55% rise in the number of people buying physical Bibles. Also in Google, people searching for prayer and Christianity, again, has skyrocketed. So what's happening in the middle of this time? People are seeking answers, and maybe that's you, maybe that's describing your journey. And uh, I want to talk to you specifically about this book, The Bible. A journalist from a well-known London newspaper asked uh, a number of influential, a hundred influential people around the UK. Uh, These were authors, professors, professionals, walks of life. He asked them, um, what three books would you take into prison? And he published this article, the prison, in prison with three books. That was the article. And the, the question was, if you were to go to prison for three years and you could have the choice of three books that you would take, which three would you choose, please state them in order of priority and order of importance. 98 of the 100 people who were asked that question said, as choice number one, that they would choose the Bible. 
Interestingly, very few of the people, of the hundred people who were asked, were religious. Many were, in fact, atheists or agnostics. But nevertheless, they recognised the historical value that the Bible has made. Let me give you some facts and figures about the Bible. It was written over a period of 1,500 years. It was written by about 44 authors over 40 generations. The authors were from every walk of life. You can imagine they had kings and you had peasants. You had philosophers and fishermen, poets and scholars. It was written in different places. Some of it was written in wildernesses. Some of it was written in dungeons. And some of it was written in palaces. The Bible was written in different times. In times of war and in times of peace. Different moods. The heights of joy to the depth of despair. It's all in there. Three different continents it was written on. Africa, Asia and Europe. It was written in three different languages. Hebrew, Aramaic and Greek. There are different genres of literature right through the Bible. Poetry, letters, songs, history, statistics. And fulfilled prophecy? Well, there are 3,268 verses of fulfilled prophecy in Scripture. No other book on earth can claim such a claim. And yearly, every year, 200 to 500 million Bibles are published and sold. And today it's available in over 3,000 languages. According to the New Yorker magazine, I quote, the Bible is the best-selling book of the year, every year. <laughs> I mean, it's not just the best-selling book of the year this year, which undoubtedly it is. It's the best-selling book of the year every year. It is an incredible book. It's had an amazing impact in society. Its imagery, stories, and language has permeated and filled our culture. So words in our language that we just take for granted actually came from the Bible. Words like scapegoats or seashore or fisherman, brokenhearted, apple of your eye, the powers that be, the signs of the times. All these phrases didn't originate from our country. They originated from scripture. Nearly one third of the paintings in the National Gallery in London are paintings depicting biblical scenes. Nick Page in God's Dangerous Book said this, even more even than the words, the phrases, and the pictures, the ideas of the Bible have shaped society. The Bible so often is characterized as a thou shalt not text. It is just as much a have a go at this text. It has inspired radical behavior, behavior which has led directly to ideas which we take for granted today, ideas such as democracy, equality, and liberty. The Bible, when it's allowed to impact a society, has brought democracy, freedom, and equality. It is a revolutionary book. You've got to pick this one up. You can't go through life and not read. If you're going to read any book, read this book. What people said about it? Well, Gandhi, the great Indian political leader, said this. You Christians look after a document containing enough dynamite to blow all civilizations to pieces. I mean, turn the world upside down and bring peace to a battle-torn planet. 
Ronald Reagan, former U.S. president, said this, within the covers of one single book, the Bible, are all the answers to the problems we face today. If only we would read and believe. Napoleon, the French emperor, said this, the Bible is no mere book, but a living creature with a power that conquers all who oppose it. (laughs) And Charles Dickens, the famous British author, said this, the New Testament is the very best book that ever was or ever will be known in the world. And finally, Jose Mourinho, in an interview when he was the manager of Chelsea, uh, he he said this, before I, I go into a game, in my room, I open the Bible and read from a chapter for a couple of minutes. It always gives me a positive feeling. This book, whether you're the President of the United States or a football manager, this book will impact your life. Why should you read it? And I want you to hear this loud and clear. The reason I believe you should read this book is because of who the author is. The author is out of this world. The author is incredible. Second Timothy, and it makes this audacious claim, Second Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16 says this, all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. See, this book makes claims that no other book claims. I mean, the claims in this book are so fantastical, so fantastical that you'd think it was myth and legends were it not for the fact it's written as history. I mean, I believe the Red Sea actually parted by a miracle in the book of Exodus. The resurrections, the Bible claims, and I believe it, resurrections actually happen. David actually defeated that great Philistine champion, Goliath. The world actually experienced a global flood. And the biggest claim of all, God, the creator of the universe, 2,000 years ago, took on human flesh. Jesus came into the world. He lived an awesome life. He died a courageous death, and he didn't die because of any crime he'd committed. He died for every crime we've committed. He died at our place. What a claim. What a claim. And if it's a true claim, boy, we've got to take note of that. He died in our place, and on the third day, he resurrected, conquered death. And through Jesus Christ, the Bible claims, you and I can have eternal life. Life that goes on forever and a relationship with God. What a claim, this book. This book has fantastical claims. And yet archaeologists are continually discovering things that endorse the claims of the Bible. All the way through, the Bible makes historical claims. Historians are continually verifying the historical claims of the Bible with history texts. They're putting them alongside each other and saying, actually, this is good history. Um, Psychologists are are talking about the Bible and how the the, the texts of the Bible actually help people's mental well-being and emotional well-being. There ain't no book that can come alongside this book. It literally stands apart. Why? Because I believe if it's the very, I believe it's the very word of God. It says, all scripture is inspired by God. That, That could also be translated, God breathed. How did God inspire this text? How did God inspire the words of the Bible? I don't think it was like all of a sudden people were kind of automatically writing, almost like a Ouija board or some kind of weird occultic thing. In, in fact, I, I don't think it was 
Like people were like puppets and they just didn't know what they were doing and they were just writing this book. Completely the opposite, actually. You don't see God bulldozing the personalities of the authors, of the writers. I mean, you see their personality shining through. When Peter's writing, you can say, well, that's Peter. Or the Apostle Paul writes something, you think, well, that's Paul. When David's writing a psalm, you kind of feel not only you're getting to know God, but you're also getting to know the personality of David's. God doesn't bulldoze our personality. And that's a reflection of the God we serve. He doesn't come to control or dominate you. He comes to actually empower you and transform you and work with you and work through you. And so these authors, some of them recorded history. I mean, historical events. And that's what we see in the Gospels when people record, eyewitnesses recorded the life, the miracles, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We see people writing down pictures or words that we're getting from God, like the prophet Isaiah describing in the book of Isaiah. You see people got revelations of past events. For example, Moses, God spoke to him about what happened at the beginning. And so we have the book of Genesis. We also see God speaking about future events. So people like John wrote the book of Revelation or Daniel wrote the book of Daniel, describing historically accurate future events. Uh, And we also see that God-inspired writers wrote proverbs and poems and songs. So we have David writing the Psalms and Solomon writing the Proverbs. It says that in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 20 to 21, that no prophecy of scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will. But men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. Spoke from God. Isn't that powerful? They, they, they started speaking, they started recording things, but God was overseeing the process. God was inspiring their thoughts. God was giving them the ideas. It was a powerful process. So we have one Bible. It actually has 66 books in it, 39 books in the Old Testament, 27 books in the New Testament, and it's one cohesive whole, incredible, life-changing. And you know, the same God who spoke the world into being, the same God who created you with words, is the same God who speaks in this book. So when you're reading the book, when you're reading the Bible, you're literally reading life-giving words. It's powerful. The book isn't just about God. It carries in it the very presence of God. When you open a Bible, you're not just reading about God, you're being impacted by the very presence of God. The book's alive. You meet God in the Word. Wakazi no Kami was a Japanese feudal war- lord, and in 1854, so when some European ships anchored off the coast of Japan, he and his men were instructed to keep an eye on those foreign ships. And so he and his men on the coast were keeping an eye very closely on these European ships that had anchored off the coast. And on one particular day, he noticed the book getting washed in on the, on the beach. So he sent one of his men to collect the book and they came back with this book that was waterlogged and actually it was a Dutch version of the New Testament. There was something about this book fascinated Wakazi no Kami. And so he asked, he organized for a Chinese version of the same book to be brought to him. And for the next 11 years, he started studying the New Testament, reading about Jesus. Anyway, 11 years later, he, Wakazi no Kami, and 50 of his men in full regalia turned up at Wernbeck's door. He was, Wernbeck was the first Protestant missionary to Japan. They knocked his door and Wernbeck answered. And there was this, this military man looking like a samurai 
with all his men beside him. And the man said, sir, we want, we're, we want to get baptized. We're here to get baptized. And Bernbach said, well, tell me your story. And the man said, 11 years ago, I started reading the Bible and my life and the life of my men has been totally turned around. And this is the words he used to describe what he read. He said, I cannot tell you my feelings when for the first time I read the accounts of the character and the work of Jesus Christ. I have never seen, heard, or imagined such a person. I was filled with admiration and overwhelmed with emotion and taken captive by the records of his life and nature. Jesus Christ is absolutely alive. And when you're reading the text of the Bible, God will speak to you through it, guaranteed. You will encounter God through it. This book is no ordinary book. It is a life-changing book. Now, the biggest key, because God's the author, the biggest key to unlocking the Bible is the author. You see, your approach to the author will totally have a bearing on what you get out of the book. So if you don't know the author, if you don't know God, I don't mean you don't know about him. I mean, do you have a relationship with God? If you don't know God, then open this book, open the Bible and seek to meet God and God will meet you in the book. You've got nothing to lose. I mean, literally, you've got nothing to lose. Why not join the, the millions of other people who would claim this book's changed their life? Why not give it a shot? You've got nothing to lose. Potentially, if I'm right, you've got everything in the world and in eternity to gain. If I'm right that God actually did love you that much, that Jesus came, his death atoned for your sin, and by trusting him and his resurrection, you can have eternal life. If I'm right, then you'd be a fool not to at least check it out. If I'm right, you've got everything to gain. Also, if you do know God, this book will help you to get to know the author better. This, reading the Bible is not about, uh, I, I know the Bible, and you can quote Bible verses. Ah, it's not about that. You'll get nothing out of it if you go with the kind of arrogant attitude. Or if you go read it, because you're trying, almost looks like it's like a religious duty. Oh, well, I'll do this, and then I'll be acceptable before God. You will get nothing out of it. But if you go seeking the author, God will meet you and God will change your life. Say amen if you agree. I don't know if you said that or not because I can't hear you. <laughs> the most joyful people I know are people who live by this book. The most influential people I know are people who live by this book. The most fulfilled people I know are people who live by this book. The people who die well are people who live by this book. And folks, I really want this for you. I want it for you. I want you to live well and die well. I want you to be all that God created you to be. So for your own sake and for the glory of God, read this book. Make it part of your daily walk. So question, how should I read the Bible? Well, to answer that, let me answer another question. How do you make fire? If you're going to make a fire, how do you make it? Well, we're told there are three things you need for a successful fire. Number one, you need heat. Number two, you need fuel. Number three, uh, you need wind. You need oxygen. You need uh, fuel. Sorry, I'm getting them muddled up now. You need heat, fuel, and wind. So number one, reading the Bible, you need heat. And what I'm going to speak about here is about your, your attitude. The, your attitude. You need to have a a hot passion in your heart. You're going to have a, a certain approach to the text when you're reading the Bible. This is how you'll get a lot out of it. See, when reading a, a typical book, typically you wouldn't expect to think, if you're reading a novel 
or reading the magazine, you wouldn't typically think, okay, I'm going to follow this author's advice in every area of my life. Okay, you wouldn't think that usually with a normal book. You wouldn't think, I'm going to take this author at his word. Or you wouldn't think, this author loves me and knows me more than anyone else on earth. You wouldn't think those thoughts with an ordinary book. In fact, it would be naive, possibly even dangerous, to approach an ordinary book like that. However, when it comes to the Bible, which I believe was authored by God himself, it would be actually inappropriate not to approach the Bible like that. To approach the Bible and saying, God, I want to follow your advice in every area of my life. I know you have the best plans and purposes for me. I know you know me better than anyone else. Therefore, speak to me. That's the attitude with which you approach the book. Because God's the author. This is what sets the Bible apart from every other book. The only other book that would compare in a similar way would be like an instruction manual. For example, if you buy a car and you, you buy a car and you get with an a owner's manual. Well, you, you follow the owner's manual. The, the person who created the car knows how the car works best. So if you've got a petrol car and you insist on putting diesel in it, hey, it's my opinion, it's my life. I'm going to, you know, I'm being sincere about it. I'm going to put diesel in my car. Well, that's fine. But if you don't follow the instructions, you're going to kill your car. If you don't service it like they suggest you service it and look after it like they suggest you look after it and use the functions like they say you should use the functions because you're reading the manufacturer's instructions on the product. And so we are not, we're not just products, we're people. We've been created by God and God has given us a book. And this book, listen, listen life works well when you live it with God. And I get it, the Bible sometimes will challenge your thinking. It will challenge even your lifestyle. But bring it on. I mean, who, just wants to, who just wants to have plain sailing? I mean, many people just live by the, if it feels good, do it rule. Well, we don't always get it right. God's got a better wisdom for you. This book has got life. It says in 1 Peter chapter 2, in verse 2, like newborn babies, long for pure, the pure milk of the words, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. It's like newborn babies. You know, when babies, I'm sure... Um, uh, Gemma and Richard and Sammy and Helen would testify, man, those newborn babies, <laughs> when, they, when they are hungry, boy, you know about it, they're, ah, I want food. They're so hungry, they're so desperate. And that's what we should be like when it comes to the Bible. Not just like, all right, I'll do my religious duty today, you know, but not actually passionately seeking God in the Bible. It's like, see it like a love letter. You know, these days, in the days before text messages and emails, imagine your loved one, the one you loved was on the other side of the world and you awaited for the postman to come with a letter from the one you loved. And you got that letter. And what, how are you going to be? You're going to be unwrapping it. You're going to be, wow. You're going to be going over it. You're going to be reading every word, thinking about every sentence. What do they mean by that sentence? You'll be reading into everything they say. Why? Because it means so much to you. Well, I think that's how we've got to approach the Bible. You just read into it all. Well, God, what are you saying through this? Why would you say such things? And let it impact your life. It's the approach. It's the heat with which you approach the Bible. It's the attitude. Uh, in the book, The Sacred Romance by Brent Curtis and John Eldridge, they said this about life. Philosophers call this romance, this heart yearning set within us, the longing for uh, transcendence, the desire to be part of something bigger than ourselves, to be part of something out of the ordinary that is good. The deepest part of our hearts long to be bound together in some heroic purpose. 
And every one of you has a desire not just to exist, but you know your nobility. You know you were born for something. Why would you have such great longings in your heart? God created you for a purpose. Life has a purpose. There is a destiny, there is adventure, and you find it in the book. It gives you an explanation to it in the book. There's a love beyond your imagination. You find it in the book. This ultimate love you've been looking for is actually only in God. There's a wisdom for every area of your life. You find it in the book, and there's a relationship that is worth everything, a relationship with God. It's not about religion. It's actually about relationship with God. James chapter 1, verse 22 says, Do not merely listen to the word, so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Do what it says. So when you're reading the Bible, don't just, all right, nice words, but actually apply it to your life. I remember my dad. Dad's watching today. Hi, Dad. I'm guessing you're waving back. I can't see you. Um, But when my dad, my dad's in his 90s now, um, but when he was 65 and he retired from being a high school teacher, he'd been fit and healthy. But when he was 65, his health took a turn for the worse, and he suddenly developed a chronic breathing condition, which left him utterly breathless. And over a period of two years, he became progressively iller and iller, constantly coughing things up, no energy, and eventually found himself bedridden. As, as he was during that period of, and I mean, it looked like his life was ebbing away. It didn't look like that of the future. And he came across the verse in James chapter 5, where it says, if you are sick, call on the elders of the church who will come and anoint you with oil and pray for you, and the prayer of faith will heal the sick. Dad just read the verse, and he just did what he said. He just picked up the phone. He phones the minister of the church across the road from where he lives, Alec Marshall and Alistair Wright, and he got a couple of the leaders. They came around the next day. They put olive oil on dad's head and they prayed, just like James said, they prayed over him, a prayer of faith. And after two years of getting progressively worse, the next morning after that prayer, my dad woke up and he had breath in his lungs for the first time. He could breathe deeply. And he started over that next few weeks, put all his weight back on again. And he became, basically his energy came back and he got back out there and he was, he was able to live a full life. And here he is now in his 90s. And by the grace of God, living a, you know, for a 90-year-old, an incredible life. God has done a miracle. Do what the Bible says. Don't just hear the words. We've seen healings. We've seen miracles. We've seen many people miraculously healed just by following the Bible. We've seen marriages repaired. We've seen projects birthed. We've seen people delivered from long-term addictions through just following the Bible. Also, the Bible has got in it truths that's going to equip your life. I remember, remember hearing the story of a lady in China and she was on a way to, in China, it wasn't possible to have public meetings. So she was on a way to a secret church meeting. And she was stopped by the police. And they said, where are you going? And she didn't want to lie. Uh, so she said, um, I'm going, my brother, my elder brother died. And I'm going to my father's house to hear the reading of his will. <laughs> and she was telling the truth. That's what's happening when you're reading the Bible. Jesus Christ died and through his death and his resurrection, so much has become available to you and I. Just read the Bible. It says you've been declared righteous. It says you have a new life. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. How can you know these things unless you read the, what the Bible says has become yours? So heat. You've got to have the right approach, a humble approach, a teachable, uh, soft-hearted approach when it comes to the Bible. Don't seek to be the master of the Bible. Seek it to be the master of your life. Okay, point number two, fuel. You need fuel for a fire. You also need fuel for your Bible reading. 
Now, this for me is, you need to have a plan, all right? And before I say anything, I'm going to show you a quick clip about the impact that daily Bible reading, just working through a plan, has on your life. All right, guys, play the clip. There was a recent study by the Center for Bible Engagement where they pulled 40,000 general population in the U.S. from 8 to 80, and they just wanted to see how we are engaging with Scripture. Right. And they discovered something that actually became kind of the profound discovery of the entire study. They weren't even looking for this, and this is kind of became the highlight of the study. Right. Um, When we're in the Scripture one time a week, and that could be church on Sunday. That's pastor saying you open your Bible, we hear the message. One time a week had negligible effect on some key areas of your life. So I'm going to spell that out more here in a moment. Two times a week negligible effect. Now at three times a week, there was a blip on the map. Like there was a heartbeat. Something happened. Again, a heartbeat. But here was the profound discovery. When we're in the scripture four times a week, it literally spikes off the chart. You would expect that it'd be one, two, I mean, there'd be a gradual incline on the effect and impact that would have in your life. But it was literally one, two, three, four. Something radically happens. Okay, you got my curiosity. To this what, extent. What kind of behavior is being affected? Feeling lonely drops 30%. Wow. Ang- four times a week in the four Bible. Four times a week in the Bible. Okay. Anger issues drop 32%. Uh, bitterness in relationships, marriage, a relationship with your kids, and so on, drops 40%. Alcoholism drops Crazy. 57%. Feeling spiritually stagnant. You know, if there was one area when I'm talking with people that that they'll be honest about is they just feel spiritually stagnant. Ask them the question, how much time are you spending in Scripture? If they're in the Scripture four times a week or more, it drops 60%. Wow. Viewing pornography drops 61%. That's very important. Now, on a flip positive side, sharing your faith jumps 200%. Wow. Because you have a confidence in God's word. And then discipling others jumps 230%. That's, that's amazing right there. So undoubtedly, reading the Bible on a consistent basis four times a week, hey, you could even do seven times a week, it will change your life. Deuteronomy, we read it at the beginning, Deuteronomy 8 verse 3, people do not live by bread alone, rather by we live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Just, it's a daily thing, just like you eat every day, every day, just take in a word from God. Um, let me just let me just say I've never met a strong believer who didn't consistently read the Bible, and I've never met a weak believer who didn't avoid the Bible. You know, they, 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 their life was hallmarked by they just didn't dig into the Bible. Believers, strong believers, are hallmarked by reading the Bible. Now, how do you do it? Well, I want to suggest have a plan. Let me tell you one of the best ways you can do this if you have a if you have technology, I'm guessing you do. You're watching a computer. It's technology. Okay, you have a smartphone or an iPad or a, a tablet. Then download the most popular version uh, app. It's called Uversion app. I want to encourage you. Uversion app. It's brilliant. It's completely free. It's made available very generously by Life Church in America. It's a brilliant app, and you have all the Bible you need in there. It's, the, it's got the Bible. It's great. And on the Uversion app. Once you've enrolled with it, you have the option for different Bible reading plans. Let me just say something about Bible reading plans. If you have never read the Bible in your life before, unlike other books where you start at the beginning and work through, 
The Bible literally means library. You don't start an A and work the way through to Z in the library, do you? You jump in somewhere that's relevant. And so I want to encourage you, here's where to start. Don't go jumping in everywhere. Start with one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. They will change your life. Start there. Okay. Now, if you want to get a plan, then I suggest you could get, first of all, a New Testament plan. So New Testament plan, and this is one of them. There's lots of them available on the, on the app I've just told you about. And this will take you through the New Testament in one year. That's not even one chapter a day. And each chapter is pretty small and just gives you a chance just to read it and absorb the life of Jesus and all that God did for you. You will be transformed through that. Another way you could do it is through the whole Bible in a year. That's all 66 books, Old and New Testaments. This is the plan I actually use, uh, the Solid Life Bible Reading Plan. And actually, this isn't just through the books. It's in chronological order rather than through book order through the books. It's a brilliant plan, and it's a Bible in the year plan. It's about four chapters a day to do the Bible in one year. And then here's one I would really recommend, and my my teenage children have gone through this, uh, is the Essential 100 plan. This is brilliant, again, for people who are just getting to grasp with the whole Bible. I would do this before you do a whole Bible plan, because what this does is it gives you 50 key readings from the Old Testament, 50 key readings from the New Testament, and it gives you the overview of the major views and the major characters, and it'll give you a grasp of what it's all about. Go on the journey, folks. Bless yourself. Let it change your life. Now, if you want a physical Bible, and many people still like physical Bibles, I would recommend the NIV Study Bible. You can get it on Amazon or most Christian bookshops. NIV Study Bible. It's brilliant. It's got the text of the Bible in a readable version, but also it's got lots of extra commentaries and maps and bits of information about the context and historical backgrounds. Let me say one thing that's really going to help you. Quality is more important than quantity when it comes to Bible reading. Say that with me. Quality, not quantity. You see, for me, I have a Bible in the year plan I work through, but let me let you into a secret. I've never actually read it in one year, okay? (laughs) I I think once in my life, I read the whole Bible in one year. It usually takes me two, sometimes three years to get through a Bible in the year plan. Why? Because as I'm going through my four chapters a day, I sometimes get stuck in chapter one. And I'm just blown away by chapter one. And so I don't, I don't worry about not getting onto the other chapters. I just chill out and I just hang around where it's speaking to me. You get it? But at least because I've got a plan, I can pick up the next day and I still move in a journey. You get it? So here's what uh, the version app has. It's very helpful. It's the catch me up button. You press catch me up and it resets the plan and it changes the end date. So even if you fall behind, you can continually just change the plan and change the end date. And I love this. It's brilliant. I want to encourage you, read the Bible. And by the way, just because you're reading a plan doesn't take away the spontaneity of how the Holy Spirit will speak to you. I remember as a teenager, I started reading Luke's gospel. Remember I said to you, if you've never read before, start with a gospel. That's why I did. I was 15 years old. I started reading Luke's gospel. And I was working through the Bible, working through the gospel. And I had a plan. That day I'd been in town with my friends. We'd been hanging out and we came across a homeless guy. And my friend Brian started looking after him, took him for lunch spent the afternoon, he was, wheel- he was in a wheelchair. The guy stank of urine and he was in a wheelchair. To be honest, I was really embarrassed. I didn't want any of my friends to see me with him. I was so, I looked down on them. But my friend really showed what Christianity was about and demonstrated love. Anyway, that evening I got home and I picked up Luke's gospel, followed the plan I was working through. And that night's reading was in Luke chapter 16, where it describes a rich man who looked down his nose all his days on a poor man who lived at his gates. And the poor man who knew God 
And, and I was so impacted. And they both died, and the rich man went to hell, and the, and the poor man went to heaven. And I was so, honestly, I fell on my knees in my bedroom that night, and I was reading about something that I had been like that day. That's what the Bible does. It will speak right into your life and circumstance. The third ingredient for a successful fire is winds. And this is what I would say I would call the Holy Spirit. You see, the best interpreter of the Bible is the author himself. And the great thing is this. You don't get to read it just by yourself. You can read it with the Holy Spirit right beside you. John chapter 16, verse 13 says, When he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. You see, the life I'm living, the purpose I'm pursuing in my life, actually God spoke this to me when I was in my late teens. Just reading the Bible, I remember in Ephesians chapter 4 and the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit spoke to me about my destiny, about my purpose. And so I want to encourage you, before you read your Bible, ask God to speak to you. Just like you would before a meal, say, God, bless this food. Just like you're about to have a spiritual meal, read your Bible, ask God, God, would you speak to me? Uh, during your reading of the Bible, stop and pray. Sometimes I'll read something and I'll say, I'm just going to stop right there. Lord, that's amazing. Or, Lord, what do you mean by that? Okay. And then after you've read, take some time to pray. Pray about what you've read. It might be you feel encouraged by it and you say, oh, God, thank you for this, what I've read. It might be you feel challenged by it. God, I repent. I'm going to change in that area. Help me. Maybe you, you're concerned by it. Just be honest with God. When you've read something, you think, God, what is that about? I mean, there's many parts of the Bible where you'll say that. All right, it's a tough book. And you say, Lord, what's that? Just tell him that. Lord, what is this? What does this mean? Help me. You know, it's like a cup of tea. You get some water and you get a tea bag. If you just get into the rhythm of every day, first of all, get your heart attitude right. And you just... You just dip, you get your heart attitude right and you, you pop it, you, you come with a soft heart. Your life changes. Then you, a, a, a little bit more, you, you start a plan and you, every, just, every day you're just reading, you're reading, and you're reading. And, and you're praying as you're reading and the, and the Holy Spirit's helping you. And the Holy Spirit, and you're saying, Lord, what's this about? And you thank you for what I'm learning. What happens is just every time you just go in this rhythm every day, before long, the the aroma starts to change. The, it tastes different. It's got a different aroma. It, it even starts to change physically in its appearance. It's gone from being water to being tea. And this is what happens in your life. As you read this book, you become more like the author. Bitterness disappears from your life. Resentments goes. Negativity disappears. And your life becomes flavored by the very presence of God. I'm going to pray for you in a moment. And I guess there are many responses we can make. The first response is this. Do you want to come to know the author? Do you know God? God really wants a relationship with you. And if you don't have that relationship, I'm not asking you to become religious. Please don't. I'm not asking you to even join my church. You'd be very welcome to, but you don't have to. This is about a relationship with God. Do you want that? I'll give you an opportunity in a moment. Or maybe you're here and you're saying, Pete, do you know... I am a believer, I'm a follower, but I, I've had a stinking attitude. I don't come with a humble heart that says, okay, Lord, I want to follow your ways. I'm just coming and I'm resisting God. No, it's time to soften your heart and come with proper heat, a proper excitement, a proper humility as you come to the Bible. For others of you, you haven't got a plan. Make a decision just in these moments. Put a plan in place. And with all of us, let's pray as we turn to the Bible.
And let me also say, we have a wood-burning stove in my house, and after, you know, you can, it could be roaring away, but then after a while you go away, do something, you come back, and it's, it's cooled right down, and all you've got is the embers. Do you know what you do is you clear the ash aside, you just breathe a little bit and put some fuel in, and before you know it, those embers come to life again. And for some of you, you used to have an excited faith in God, but for whatever reason, you just let it die down. But God today wants to stoke it back up again and get you on fire. Lord, I thank you so much for the Bible. Thank you, this book that you wrote, you inspired. Thank you for everyone who's joining today, God, in their different situations and, and their different journey, journeys that they're on. First of all, I pray for anyone today who doesn't yet have a relationship with you. I ask right now, God, you'd reach them, touch their lives. In fact, if that's you and you're saying, Peter, I want to know God, then I invite you to pray this prayer with me just now. Just one line at a time, just under your breath, let this be your prayer to the God who made you. Pray, dear Lord God, thank you for your love for me. Jesus, I thank you for coming into this world. I thank you you were willing to die on the cross for me, pay the price for all my sin, and I know that I am a sinner. I thank you on the third day you rose from the dead. Thank you you're alive right now. Today, God, I dare to believe in you. I put my faith in you. I commit my life to you. Jesus, help me to follow you from now on. Be Lord of my life. Thank you, God, for hearing my prayer. If you prayed that prayer today, I know that God has heard your prayer. It's the biggest decision you could ever make. We want to help you on this journey now. If you've prayed that prayer, please click the I've prayed that prayer button. Click the prayer request button on the platform or on Facebook or YouTube. Send us an email or send a comment and let us know so we can connect with you. We want to help you grow. God bless you. Put a plan in place, folks. Feed yourself. Don't starve yourself. It's time to get full up of God's truth. God bless.